is Jason. I'm the lead pastor here. I just want to say hello and welcome and Merry Christmas. I know you've already been greeted, but I just want to do that one more time. If you're new to Wellhouse, we always like to start with some really deep confessional. So if you're a guest here, we just kind of like to expose our weakness right out of the gate. So I'm going to ask you to do that. So it is confession time. How many of you, December 23rd, still have Christmas shopping to do? we got some real honest folks right here. That's good to see. Well, let me tell you, I'm going to start off bragging on God this morning. Guys, there are 50-plus families, I think 51 families in our community that don't have any shopping left to do because of your generosity. There are over 100 homeless men and women, friends in our community, that will receive tomorrow morning, they're going to receive gift boxes, not with just things they need like warm socks, but they're going to receive some goodies and some things that they normally don't get because everyone deserves Christmas because of your generosity. Last Sunday, we went to Walmart here in town and we met with 51 families. All of them showed up and we took them shopping and we made sure that they had everything they need so that every kid and their family had a gift to open on Tuesday morning. We wanted to make sure that they had coats so that when they have to wait in these winter months on the bus stop that they have coats and we made sure that they had food on the table and it was absolutely amazing what you guys were able to do. So if you weren't there, check this out. So that's what spending $31,000 at Walmart looks like and so thank you guys for the way that you give. Uh, we, we are continuing to get that in and it's just going to continue to go right back out but uh, can we just give God a hand for what he did through you guys. Um, we, we say this every week that we, one of the many things that we try to be is wildly generous and last week we were able to exercise that and, and really as a church we put our money where our mouths are and we say, listen, we're not just in your community, we are for you, we love you, no strings attached. And I told our welcome team this morning, I said, you know, the beautiful thing about what we do is we don't tell people, hey, if you'll come to church, then maybe we can help you for Christmas. We just say, hey, can we help you for Christmas and love you? And by the way, we're a church in your community. If you're looking for that, then here we are. So thank you, thank you, thank you guys. But back to my original question, how many of you are still needing a few things, that perfect gift, you're looking for that thing, and you're hoping, you know, Amazon Prime will probably get it to you by tomorrow. Um, I ordered something yesterday, and it's on its way right now. I can actually track on my phone. But you're looking for that, that special gift, that one-of-a-kind gift, that gift that says, you know what, I, I think you are this special. I think that you are worth every bit of this. Uh, sad thing is you're probably not going to find it, but let me give you a little hope or a little hope in, in finding it. I'm going to give you a, a little help in doing this. So let me give you a few gift ideas that I'm pretty sure you can get here if you want to pay the overnight shipping. So here we go. Have you heard of these? These are glace ice balls. Okay, so let me just read the description. Ice cubes are for squares. VIPs really know what really good ice looks like, and it comes in hand-carved spheres of ice made from Canadian purified water, starting at only $40 per ball. So for you guys that are looking for that special gift for the Christmas party, you might want to try that. There's a company called Ooms, O-O-O-M-S, and they say that the true measure of wealth and exclusivity is all in the details. You can't possibly expect anyone to know how just filthy rich you are unless your staples are gold-plated. Packaged in a velvet jewelry box starting 
at only $175 per box. Okay, so if you're looking for that executive gift for you know the man or woman in your life that wants to say, This is how rich I am, you might want to try this. All right, this one I think is going to get the best applause. Carbon Gear makes a carbon fiber toilet seat. You have to admit that of all the crazy expensive toilets made of costly material, that carbon fiber looks way cooler. Besides, gold is flimsy. This toilet seat will be around longer than you will. Only $480. Okay, so if you're doing a renovation after the new year, keep that in mind, carbongear.com. And then there's the Crystal Ergo Rapido vacuum cleaner. If inconspicuous vacuuming isn't your style, then maybe you'd enjoy something a little bit more noticeable. Covered in 3,700 crystals, this is the most expensive home cleaning appliance ever, clocking in at $18,993. Now, I'm just going to go out on a limb. If you're paying $18,000 for a vacuum cleaner, you're not using it, right? (laughs) You got somebody else using it. But we live in a world where we love the thought of one of a kind. We love the thought of exclusiveness. I have something that you don't have. I have something that you can't get. I've got the one thing that you would love to have, but you can't. Everybody, you know, on paper should have it. I mean, everybody should have ice balls, right? Everybody should have a vacuum cleaner. Everybody should have staples if they need those things. But if you can up the ante and say, I've got something that you can't have. We love VIP areas. We love invite only. We love members only. We love things that aren't for the common person. A couple of years ago, Lori wanted a new handbag, and she wasn't super specific, except there was a certain size that she wanted. She wanted a clutch, and yes, I know what a clutch is. Uh, If you need me to go handbag shopping, I am fully equipped to handbag shop. And so she is pretty modest, if if you know Lori, and so, you know, she was like, ah, you know, I don't want anything real fancy. Well, I wanted to up the game. I wanted to go all out. So I made a trek over to Green Hills to a shop that will remain nameless, and I said, this is where I want to go, and I'm going to completely surprise her. I'm going to spend way more than she would want me to spend. Um, I had cash, so she wouldn't even know I was going to use the debit card. I was ready to go. I had kind of researched, and so I go into the shop, and there were a couple other gentlemen in there, one in particular that we kind of shadowed each other. So when he would ask a question, I would listen in because I didn't want to ask the same question. And when I would ask a question, he would kind of listen in. And I remember at one point he said to, to, the, to the, the associate, he said, I'm looking for something that not just everyone would have. And the sales associate said something that ended up turning me off to the point that she didn't get the handbag. He said, well, sir, all of our handbags fit that category. These handbags aren't made for the common person. And I thought, wow, I don't know if I want to buy this anymore. And I knew that Lori definitely wouldn't want to carry it, and she'd kill me. (laughs) But a lot of us love that thought, don't we? That I've got something that's so unique and so special that it's not for the common person. I've got better seats for the game. I've got the office with a view. I've got the house at the end of the cul-de-sac. And we love those things. And here's what I wonder. 
I wonder if inadvertently, unintentionally, if that American dream, the American view, the American way of thinking has somewhat spilled over into Christmas. I wonder if it's spilled over into the way that we view the details, the surroundings, the circumstances, and the person at the center of Christmas. See, the details behind Christmas are really important. It's not just that Jesus came, it's the details in his coming. If you don't know a lot about Christmas and kind of the beginning and you think of Santa and those sorts of things, which are all important, I just want to fill you in on a couple of details. The details were this, that people for generations had been looking for what they had called and and come to know as a Messiah. See, what you need to know is at that time, the, the, the nation of Israel, the people of God, Israel, the Jewish people had been kind of ripped to shreds. For generations had just been ravished and divided and all these sorts of things. And at one time they were this prominent king kingdom and all of a sudden they found themselves under the rule and reign of not just one but several governments throughout history and they had had enough and so they were praying for a deliverer. They were praying for this Messiah. They were praying for God to somehow send another king and another kingship that would reestablish the kingdom and they could overcome and they could unite and they could become once again this powerhouse that they could become this this nation that they had known to be all throughout their history and, and they could again take their prominent place. And they knew that when this Messiah came, when this promised one that God would send, it would be grand. They knew that it would be royal. It would be extravagant. It would be majestic. I mean, they, in their mind, I think, had in mind what our common modern-day Christmas cards look like. Gold halos and shining linens and all that, that great ceremony and pomp and circumstance. That's what they were expecting when the Messiah would come. When it would finally come that time for the kingship to be reestablished. And then they knew it was going to come with a great proclamation and great announcement. But that's not how it went down. See, but I believe that in the details, kind of like gold staples... In the details of the story comes the true power of hope, comes the true message of hope. Let me put it this way, that the thrill of hope is not just in the coming of Jesus, but it's in the details of how he came. See, Jesus' coming is is a massive, major part of the story, but it's Not the whole story. I believe that the details that brought him here are just as powerful part of the story. It was unexpected. And if we're completely honest, it would have been unwanted. The way Jesus came would have been undesirable to those who were looking. It would have been unimaginable. The entrance that he chooses to enter through would have been completely unwanted, unwarranted, unimaginable, undesirable. See, they had been looking for something, and they thought that not only did they deserve it the most, but they deserved the best. And I'm talking about the religious elite, the scholars, the nobles, the ones that had hoped that the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the king, would somehow place them in a a position in the king's court they wanted And we're looking for the frills and the fancy. They wanted this coming Messiah to come with a royal introduction and a regal 
proclamation, but instead, they get this. They get the birth of the Messiah coming through a teenage unwed mother named Mary, who was to be married to a blue-collar worker named Joseph. And this couple was from Nazareth. And by the way, you know, we've made Nazareth out to be this, this, this bell mead of, of, of Bible times, but it wasn't. What you need to understand about Nazareth was it was a 10-acre hillside country that no one that was not from there would never want to go there. It, it, it had raw sewage running everywhere because they didn't have a sewer system in town. So you can imagine the smell. It was populated by about 400 people. It was a conservative place. And this was the setting, the site for the conception. So right out of the gate, it would have been like, no, 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 that, it, it can't be that. But if you begin to to dig even deeper into the details, we see that late in the pregnancy, they were required to go for a census, so they had to travel by donkey probably down to this little town south of there called Bethlehem. Again, nothing spectacular. So they're traveling, and the long-awaited Messiah, Jesus, would be born there. Not at the hands of a skilled doctor, but the calloused hands of a carpenter. Then, once born, he, not in a hospital, but a barn, laid in a manger, which we like to think of as a, again, a gold-laden crib, but a feeding trough. And we go, at this point in the story, we go, where's the fancy? I mean, where's the, the frills? Where's the fanfare? I mean, what about the royal introduction? What about the regal proclamation? We go, this can't be right. I mean, were they on their way to the, the, the royal ball, the announcing ball, the, 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 the grand ceremony, and she just went into labor and they had no choice? I mean, is that what's going on here? And the answer to that is no. There wasn't a mistake. Then if that's not crazy enough, God takes it next level crazy. God, the creator of the universe, doesn't announce the coming to the noble He announces it to the nobody. At least that's what they would have been considered in that day and time. They would have been considered a nobody. He announces it to the shepherds who were not highly regarded. They were dirty. They were messy. They were grimy. In fact, they were considered to be so grimy, so messy, so dirty that they had been pronounced by religious people, they had been pronounced unclean, meaning that they couldn't even go to the temple for court or for worship. They weren't welcome in those circles and in those places. But yet it was they who found out first and were the first on the scene. Guys, this is unthinkable circumstances. With an unthinkable proclamation to an unthinkable audience. And this is the point of the story where you go, what's going on here? I mean, this is not exactly fitting for a king. This is not fitting for royalty. 
I'm not sure what God's doing here. I mean, how is he going to take these unthinkable circumstances that came with an unthinkable proclamation to an unthinkable audience and somehow reestablish any sort of credibility that would make this individual king? I mean, no one's going to buy this. No one's going to believe this. I mean, a king comes from Nazareth? No way, no how, not in any time, in any place can that work. I mean, we would have to work years to campaign and let people know that, no, really, this is the legitimate. I mean, this is not the way it's supposed to go down. So we're left on December 23rd in 2018 asking why. Why these circumstances? Why this proclamation? And why these people? Why is it that it's, it's, it's included in the story the way that God chose to write it? And I believe that we have to remember that what we see is the overwhelming power and that the thrill of hope is not just in the fact that Jesus came, but it's in the details. And Luke gives an explanation of the seemingly disappointing details that surrounded the expected birth of the king. And here's what it does. It changes everything. It changes everything. And it's words that if you've been in, in any sort of, of Christmas circle for any time, you hear it when you, you know, if you watch Peanuts Christmas, you're going to hear it. And it just flows off. But listen to what the explanation for the, for the question why is. Here's what Luke says. But an angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people today. In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the one you've been waiting on, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And it's subtle. But I told you the power is in the details. Did you catch it? See, the reason that these unthinkable circumstances, starting with an unthinkable proclamation to an unthinkable audience, is this. Look back at verse 10. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. Here's the proclamation. That Christmas is for everyone. Christmas is for everyone. And so these unthinkable circumstances to an unthinkable audience says this. It's not just that Jesus came. But in the details what we see is that Christmas is for everyone. The thrill of hope is for everyone. It's for the good and the bad. See, Christmas is for the naughty and the nice. Christmas is for the faithful and the unfaithful. Christmas is for those who will work themselves overtime trying to please God. But it's also for those who don't even know where to start. Christmas is for everyone. It's for the people who want us to believe they have it all together. And it's for the people who have nothing. Christmas is for all people. And this proclamation surrounding these unwanted, undesirable circumstances says this. It's not just for the noble. It's not for the 
religious elite who know all the details and keep the law perfectly. It's not just for the scholars. It's not for the wealthy, the affluent. It's, it's not for those who are just in good relationships, who have good marriages with good kids. It's not for the achievers and the believers. It's not for the well-off, the well-groomed, the well-dressed, and the well-behaved. Luke's proclamation says, no, no, no. Christmas is for all people. It's going to bring great joy to all people, for everyone. And here's my encouragement to us on December 23rd. That we, the ones who follow this Messiah, this Savior, Jesus... Because we can't lose sight of that. That Christmas is for everyone. And here's what I want you to know two days before Christmas. That you have a massive role in continuing to proclaim that Christmas is for everyone. See, religious people for generations prayed for, looked for someone to come and Uh, They wanted someone to come and protect and reestablish and look out and give them what was in their best interest. But see, they only wanted it for certain types of people. And Jesus comes in, and the way he comes in, it blows the doors off their expectations. And to them, it was a bad thing. To us, it's a saving thing. And he blows that out of the water, he blows it to pieces, and he changes the world. It's drastic and it's radical. It's so radical that Paul describes it like this, and we just sang about it. He describes it like this. He says, listen, when you're in Jesus, Galatians 3, when you are in that relationship, he says, with Jesus, with Jesus' coming, with the details of his coming, here's what he says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, there's not male or female. He says, you are one in Christ. And that's why I love verse 2 of what Nikki sang. See, it's in this coming, that, and in the details of the coming, it's in this unthinkable circumstance, coming with an unthinkable proclamation to an unthinkable audience that, that rings these words. It's that chains shall break for what? A slave is our brother. It's in that that in his name all oppression shall cease. Oh, sweet hymns of joy and grateful course raise. Let all that is within us praise his holy name. See, the thrill of hope is for everyone. And so as we land this on December 23rd, here's what I want you to know. You have a place in the story of Christmas. That you are part of the story of Christmas. That when Luke says, recorded by the angel, when, he, when the angel proclaimed that I come to bring good news for all people, that you are part of the all. For some of you, This may be your first time ever in church. And you came because you wanted to honor a boyfriend or girlfriend, a husband, a wife, a mother, a grandmother, or a friend. And you can't turn down the invitation of free donuts, coffee, and lunch afterwards. And so here you are. 
And for some of you, it's the first time you've been in church for a long time. And can I say this and mean this, and I hope you feel this, you are welcome here. You, you are not only welcomed here, you belong here. And I'm glad you're here. Because Christmas is for everyone, and this, what we do on Sunday mornings, is for everyone. This community of believers is for everyone. And for some of you, I know it's been a long week, and you're just anticipating that it's going to get longer. And for some of you, you're going, a week, I would take a week. For some of you, it's been a long month. For some of you, it's been a long year, and you can't wait until the page turns 2019, because maybe with the change of that number comes a change of season, a change of, of something, of circumstance in your life. And you're going, if I can just get to 2019, then I can restart, I can reset. And for some of you, you are at rope's end and the new year can't come quick enough. You getting out of this season can't come quick enough. For some of you, you just can't seem to get it together. You begin to buy into this, and you have this deceiving voice in your head that says, listen, it's your fault, you're your own worst enemy, it doesn't matter how good and how well, and it doesn't matter, you're never going to get there. It's like you take one step forward and two steps back, and here you are. For some of you, you think, man, life could not be any more stacked against me. Not only do I have these things that just can't seem to get in order, but when I turn around and I try to find support, when I try to find some sort of uh, of value, uh, encouragement, it's not there either. I mean, (laughs) I feel alone. My friends and family have somehow just kind of washed their hands and given up, or maybe they're the source of some of your pain. I was talking to someone just... Last night, a dear person to our family who believes that she's not going to be able to survive some really hard circumstances because she's going to be alone in it. And it doesn't matter what we tell her. You're not, you're not, you're not. You still feel that way. And some of you are here this morning, and that's where you're at. Support's nowhere to be found. and You're left just feeling isolated, tired, need hope for others you feel like you know what I'm okay I'm in a pretty good season right now life is good and it's steady and it's decent and and I I feel good can I encourage you to something will you lean in and listen because you have a role to play in those that are not that are not in the same place, that maybe aren't feeling quite as good about life, you have a role to play. So you have a message in the way that you will listen, in the way that you will be aware of, in the way that you will look for those that don't have it all together at the moment. And let's be honest, you don't either. But you have a role to play. And so I want you to, to make it your goal the next, not just two days, but make it who you are in sharing in this season that Christmas is for everyone. But I also want you to share what I believe that Jesus would say to anyone who fits into any of those categories this morning. I want you to share those things. I want to leave you with 
two things that I believe that Jesus wants you to know out of the details of his story. Out of those unthinkable circumstances that came with an unthinkable proclamation to an unthinkable audience, I think there's two things that ring clear. And I think that they are things that will allow you to leave here today feeling hope. But what I pray is it begins to shape your expectation for the future that hope will always be there. Even when money's not there and friends aren't there and jobs aren't there and security's not there, when, when, when all of those things are gone or fade or are temporarily put on pause, that these are the things that will remain true and that these are the things that if Jesus were sitting beside of you this morning would, would lean over and whisper this morning and he would say, listen, that the thrill of hope is in the details. And they're simple things. I think, number one, he would say this, that wherever you have come from, And whatever hardship you came from or whatever hardship you're going through at the moment, he would say this. He would say, I've been there and done that. You go, I don't know, Jason. I mean, I'm not sure that that Jesus, yes, he's been there and he's done that. Look at the details. He went from a throne to a stable. He went from being without blemish to broken. He went from posh to poverty. Scriptures tells us that Jesus didn't even have a, a place to lay his head. I think that's why Stephen Young beats the streets. Because he knows that Jesus is in those places. I love what the Hebrew writer, and I posted this on social media this week, that is there a better message than this? The Hebrew writer says, listen, if you want a snapshot of who Jesus is and you want to know that he know, he not only knows, but he feels and he's there, he's been there, done that. Listen to what he says. He says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us, to empathize with our weakness. But we have one. He's talking about Jesus. He says, we have one who has been tempted in every way. He's been there, done that. But yet he didn't sin. So he says, here's the result of that. When you lean into that and acknowledge that Jesus is not just sitting on a throne in some faraway place, but he is in the mess with you. We've talked about this this entire series that God says, listen, I'm going to send myself. I'm going to become Emmanuel, meaning God with me. Here's what he says. That approach God's throne of grace with confidence. So that you may receive mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. See, his coming and the way that he came and what he went through and how he lived is a testimony that should give us hope and confidence. So I think if he was here this morning, he'd lean over and he'd say, listen, I've been there, done that. Hang on, hang tight, I'm, I'm, I'm right here. And I think the second thing that he would say is this, is that regardless of what you've done, I love you. I love you. And for some of you, the greatest Christmas gift you could imagine is someone leaning over that you long to hear it from and just utter those three words, I love you. So I want you to know that regardless of what kind of baggage you drag in here, where you come from and what you've done last month, last night, 
I believe that Jesus, in the details of the story, says, I love you. I heard another pastor say one time that the depth of love can be determined by the level of sacrifice. That the depth of someone's love can be determined by the level of their sacrifice. And that said, Jesus, in a very big way, says, I love you. John says it like this, for God so loved the world that he gave everything. He gave his only son so that he could come and do what we couldn't do for ourselves so that he could redeem us to live eternally. And he says, listen, whoever believes in him won't perish, won't fail, but will have eternal life. So again, I started off the way I started off with our video because I want you guys to understand and realize and I want us to continue to work toward and not because we're trying to earn some credit with God but because we're trying to work toward bringing kingdom ethics into earthly places that we're going to continue to be a place where everyone all people can come and see Jesus and experience a thrill of hope Stand with me. We're going to end today by gathering around tables and we're going to celebrate that coming. We're going to celebrate those details. We're going to celebrate Jesus around tables. And if if you're unfamiliar with, with communion, as we call it, don't be freaked out. We're going to come around tables. They're all over the gym and and you'll find a couple things there. And those are things, there's a cup of juice and some bread. And those things represent who Jesus is to us. That he is hope. He is salvation. He's rescuer. He's redeemer. And I want you to know this morning that you may be old or you may be young. You are welcome around this table. You may be married or you may be divorced. You may be married and wished you were divorced. You may be single and wished you were married. You may like a suit jacket, like Galen's. Or you may like a denim jacket. You might like rap, or you might like rock. You might be from the south, or you might be from the north, or you might be from the east, or you might be from the west. You're welcome around this table you might be blue or you might be red you might have grown up Baptist Church of Christ Catholic or nothing at all you're welcome around these tables you have a place around these tables if we had seats there would be an empty seat for you and here's why Because Jesus is the host of that table, not me. Jesus is the host. And I want you to know as we enter into this time that we're going to take this together with friends and family. And if you don't want to take it, they're going to continue to play and you can just stay still. That's fine. But I want you to know that the same proclamation that was made on that chilly evening near Bethlehem is the same proclamation that is being made in Goodlettsville today. Christmas is for everyone. Father,
as we enter into communion, we pray that you will allow this to be a reminder that Christmas truly is for everyone, but may it not only be a reminder, may it be a call that as we leave here, there's someone that feels like they shouldn't be around this table. There's someone that we will encounter in the next two days or week or two weeks or two months that's not going to feel worthy. They're going to feel like, you know what, I've blown it. Or they may not even believe it, but God, can we be in the lives of people, what we have experienced, can we be a thrill of hope? Can we live life in such a way that when someone sees us, they don't see boundaries, they don't see um, that we evaluate and we begin to to immediately box in and God can we just be people that live into that proclamation can we live life in such a way that really begins to live with a sense of inclusivity God may we never be a Green Hills store associate that says the product you find at this table isn't for the common person God can we go among the common people proclaim the goodness of your son can we say to people Jesus has been there done that and he loves you God thank you for loving us thank you for showing us that time and time and time again even when we don't believe it and especially when we don't deserve it we pray this through your son's name amen you're dismissed into communion